When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. I took my bike out for a ride one evening, past the park, behind the housing development, out on the roads near the curving fields to the old farmhouse turned historical site with a willow tree that leaned over a pond as if it was looking into a mirror. Mirror, mirror in the pond, who's the fairest river frond? I sat and took sips of water, then settled down to read a book for a little bit as I waved away curious bugs. This book was one of my favorites, the graveyard book, by Neil Gaiman. I must have lost track of time because when I looked up, the sun was almost gone behind the mountains and the moon was just starting to rise in the east, big and round and smiling. I needed to get home and start dinner and I slipped the book in my pocket. I was just getting on my bike when I heard a rustle in the bushes and twisted around to look. It felt like a gust of wind burst past me and I heard a splash from the direction of the pond. A thorough scan of the area, but there was nothing there. I got on my bike and rode home. When I arrived and put my things away, I realized my book was gone. Mowage. Mowage is what brings us together today. This is the season of wedding bells. And a good season for stories about weddings. The first teller for this episode is Ed Stivender. Ed has been telling stories since 1977, and I first heard him tell at the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival, though his storytelling and music has taken him around the world. Whether he's telling with a grand symphony or a group of enchanted children, he is a delightful and clever teller. This is a story from his album, Classics Revisited, and is told with permission from Heather Forrest. It is the tale, The Squire's Bride. The old squire was a rich man. He thought he could get anything that he wanted with money. No, 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 said the farmer's daughter. He cannot have my heart, for I will not sell my heart for money. But, daughter dear, the farmer said, the squire, he will forgive our debt. And you're a maid not married yet. You would be wise to compromise and marry the squire. No, 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 said the farmer's daughter. I'll work the land because I'm as strong as any man. I'll pay that wretched debt with my toil and my sweat. But I will not marry the squire for money. 
The squire couldn't believe this. He said to the farmer, We'll make the wedding plans anyway. See that your daughter changes her mind by the wedding day, or all of the debt that you owe to me will be paid straight away. Have no fear, the farmer said. My daughter is as good as wed, and a fine bride she'll be. I'll change her mind, you'll see. You invite the guests, I'll do the rest, you'll see. A fine bride she'll be. And so the bargain was sealed. The farmer would give his daughter to the squire on his wedding day, and in return the squire would forgive the farmer's debt. Well, even if she won't agree willingly to marry me, I'll send for her on the wedding day. When she sees all my riches on display, her heart will melt. I can't believe that foolish farmer's daughter would prefer a life of hard work to being a nobleman's wife. The day of the wedding finally arrived. The house was filled with wedding guests. The bridal chamber had the wedding dress. The squire was in his Sunday best when he sent for his faithful servant. Run to the farmer now, my lad. What's been promised will be had. Just run over there and come right back and ask for what's been promised. So the lad ran to the farmer's gate, said, Oh, my master cannot wait. Give me what you promised you would give him for the wedding. Now the farmer had never explained the arrangement to his daughter. And so now, being too embarrassed to go himself, he said, uh, Run to the... Meadow, now, my lad, what's been promised will be had. You'll find her working at the plow. Take her with my blessings to the squire now. And so the lad ran to the meadow and saw the farmer's beautiful daughter working the field behind her favorite horse. He ran up and said, My master's in a hurry today. I must return without delay with what your father promised you had given for the wedding. Oh, and what was it my father promised the squire on his wedding day? Uh, well... I don't know. In all the haste, I forgot to ask. But your father said just now I'd find her working at the plow. Aha, so that's what they've been up to. And with a twinkle in her eye, the young woman said, Oh, my father must have meant this mare. Take her with my blessings, please. I'm sure she'll satisfy the squire's needs. And so the lad jumped on the horse and rode like the wind back to the squire's house again. Leaving the house outside, he went in and said, Squire, I've got her. She's a beauty. I left her right outside. Well, take her up to the bridal chamber. But, squire, how can I? Do as I say without delay, lad. It is my wedding day. Yes, squire. A few moments later, the lad came down, mopping his brow. Well, squire, that's the most difficult job you've ever given me. She's very unruly. I had to tie her to the bedpost. Oh, well, I knew she was stubborn, but I didn't think she was that stubborn. Lad, when she saw all the wedding gifts around the wedding bed, what did she say? What did she say? Oh, squire, all she says is, nay, nay. Well, have her dressed in the wedding gown, and when you're finished, bring her down. Squire! How can I? Well, get some handmaidens to help you. And so with the help of all the handmaidens in the house, they dressed that horse in a wedding gown, complete with wreath and floral crown, tied little ribbons in its mane and tail, and topped it off with a wedding veil. 
Meanwhile, down below, Squire walked proud and tall. When he heard a commotion in the passageway, he said, Elegant guests, my passions are ablaze. It is with the greatest pride that I introduce to you the Squire's Bride. And as the great door swung open, a wild-eyed horse in a white wedding gown, complete with wreath and floral crown, came tripping through the door. The wedding guest's laughter shook the raft. The squire gazed and gawked at what he saw, for with a floral wreath tumbling down over one eye, the horse trotted through the hall. Many have told this story since then. They say the squire never went courting again. Today's fairy tale sponsor is Poppy Field Sleeping Tincture. Having trouble sleeping? Need a wee nap to brush the sand out of your eyes? From the minds behind Flying Monkey Parcel Delivery comes Poppy Field Sleeping Tincture. It'll take you gently over the yellow brick road to the land of sleep for just a little while. Distilled from the poppy field outside Emerald City, this special tincture will ease you to sleep but at the right dosage to allow you to wake again, refreshed and ready to fulfill your quest. No need to resort to counting sheep, who leave quite a mess in the bedroom, or touching a spindle, which can lead to chronic oversleeping. Poppy Field Sleeping Tincture. Let the blossoms of Oz refresh you. This episode is also brought to you by the new Patreon supporter, Suzanne Stewart. Suzanne has the unique ability to make flowers blossom, not just when they're ready to blossom. I have heard in the middle of winter, Suzanne will go out on a gloomy day and whisper over the frozen ground, and a tulip will push through the snow to say hello. Suzanne is also a generous supporter of storytelling, which is pretty cool. Maybe I had dropped the book on the ride. Maybe it had slipped out of my pocket. But everything else was there, my water and cell phone. The next day, I retraced my ride, keeping an eye out on the edges of the trail. I made my way back to that willow tree, leaning over the pond. Beneath the tree was my book, but it was quite changed. It looked like it had been dunked in water, There were tiny, squishy, muddy fingerprints all over it. The book seemed to be open halfway, as though the reader had been interrupted. There were wet puddles leading to the pond, and as I looked, I saw a few bulging eyes looking at me. The pickpockets. I was about to get mad, but then noticed, from a particularly weedy section of the pond, a face poking out. She didn't look very friendly. She didn't seem particularly sweet. I decided to take a generous route. I said out loud, Will you pickpocketing scallywags keep the book? Maybe read Coraline after this one. I got on my bike and rode home, leaving a pond full of frogs and one bookworm, Jenny Greenteeth. The second teller for this episode is Michelle Carlo, who has 8 million stories about New York City. She's a native New Yorker, a natural redhead, and an author, storyteller, comedy-adjacent performer who has appeared across the U.S., including on NPR, the Clearwater Music Arts Festival, 
Risk, live shows and podcasts, PBS Stories from the Stage, and the Moths Grand Slams and Main Stage in New York City. Many of Michelle's early moth stories appear in her book, Fish Out of Agua, My Life on Neither Side of the Subway Tracks. This is a story she told and won her first folktale contest with. This is her telling, Martina and Perez. I'm usually a personal storyteller, so I'm breaking new ground tonight. This story is a traditional folktale from the island of my family's heritage, which is Puerto Rico. It's the story of Martina and Perez. Once upon a time, in a little white house with a pristine white balcony in a picturesque little town in Puerto Rico lived a beautiful little cockroach named Martina. She was quite flirtatious with long, beautiful hair, long, beautiful eyelashes, and long, beautiful appendages on each of her six legs. And one day she was out sweeping on her little balcony and she found a coin and she said, Ooh, I didn't know I had money. What should I buy? She picks it up. Hmm, should I buy a new dress? Hmm, not enough. Should I buy chocolates? Oh no, they'll make me fat. (gasps) I know what I will buy. Face powder. So she runs off to town. She buys the face powder. She takes a long Epsom salt bath because yes, they even have Epsom salts in Puerto Rico. And they, she powders herself and she makes herself look gorgeous and she goes out into a pristine little white balcony and she sits in her little chair and waits. And she's waiting for her love, Perez, to come along. And she's sitting there and she's waiting and she's waiting. But along comes Senor Gato, Mr. Cat. And Senor Gato looks up at Martina and says, Hola, Martina. You are so beautiful. Will you marry me? And Martina, being flirtatious, says, Oh, I don't know. Maybe yes, maybe no. How would you speak to me after we're married? And Senor Gato says, Like this, mi vida, my love. Meow, 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 meow. And Martina says, I know, horrible, terrible, se fue, go away, I will not marry you. And Senor Gato slunk away crying. And Martina's waiting a little bit longer in the balcony, and she's waiting for Senor Perez to come. But instead, along comes Senor Perro, Mr. Dog. And Mr. Dog says, Martina, you are so beautiful. Good morning, will you marry me? And Martina says, hi, I don't know, maybe yes. Maybe no. How would you speak to me after we're married? And Senor Perro says, like this, my love. Woof, 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 woof. And Martina says, ooh, such cacophony. No, horrible, terrible, I cannot marry you. And Senor Perro slunk away, crying. And then Martina is waiting, and the face powder is getting a little blotchy, so she powders herself again, and she's waiting, because she wants Senor Perez, the one she loves to see her at her best. But instead, who comes over but Senor Pollo, Mr. Chicken. So Senor Pollo says, Martina, good morning, my love. You are so beautiful. Will you marry me? And Martina says, I don't know. 
maybe yes, maybe no. How would you speak to me after we're married? And Senor Pollo, the rooster, puffs himself up with his coxcomb and this red thing under his neck, whatever they call it, and he goes, like this, my love. is horrible, terrible. No, you must go away now. I will never marry you. Go. And Senor Pollo slunk away crying. And by this time, Martina is getting tired, and she's just go, about to go in and figure, whatever. It's, it's done. And then she sees in the distance her love, the little mouse, Senor Perez. And Senor Perez, he knows what he's doing. He's a player. So he just walks really slowly up to the little white house. And Martina is at the edge of her balcony, peeking over the railing, waiting, because this is the one she loves. And when Senor Perez finally gets to where she can see him, he says, good morning, Martina, my love. It is a beautiful day. Will you come down and take a walk with me? And Martina, she's trying to play it cool. So she says, mm, no, I think I will stay here. And Senor Perez says, very well. It is a beautiful day, and I love you. Will you marry me? And Martina, her heart beating, her eyelids fluttering, every hair on every appendage sticking upright from all the tremors of love, she still wants to play it cool. And she says, oh, oh, I don't know, Senor Perez. How will you speak to me after we're married? And Senor Perez, the little mouse, says, like this, my love. And Martina says, yes, 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 I have been waiting for this all my life. It is beautiful. Yes, I will marry you. So Martina and Perez had a beautiful wedding. All the animals in the village came. And they embarked on a beautiful life together. And when it was the holidays, Martina wanted to make a special dish to let Perez, her love, know how much she loved him. So she wanted to make for him arroz dulce. So she took out her caldero, her pot, and she filled it with arroz, rice, and crema, creme, and canela, cinnamon, and other things. And then she put what she knew was Senor Perez's favorite, almendras, almonds. And she put it on the fire, and she stirred it around, and she waited until it was bubbling, and then she was going to cover it, and she says, no, I want my love to smell what I'm making for him. I want it to permeate the house so, it, so he knows what I'm making. So she goes out onto a balcony to sweep it, and Senor Perez comes back from the town, and he smells something so wonderful. <laughs> it's so wonderful. What is my love made for me? So he goes into the kitchen and he sees the giant caldero of arroz dulce bubbling on the stove. And then he takes another whiff. <gasps> Almedras, almonds. My love has made my favorite. Oh, I cannot wait. I must have just one. So he goes over to the pot. Just one, just one, just one. And he reaches for an almond, but it floats away. And he reaches for another almond, and it floats away again. And he reaches, and he reaches, and he reaches, and he falls into the pot. And he screams, and he screams, and he screams, but Martina is singing on the balcony, and she doesn't hear a thing. Martina at last goes into the kitchen, and she sees Senor Perez in the pot, covered with arroz dulce. And she screams so loud that all the animals come to help, but it's too late. Senor Perez has drowned in the pudding. And ever since that day, 
Martina sits on her little balcony in her little chair in her little pristine house in her little picturesque town of Puerto Rico, rocking incessantly and eating an old dulce because she wants to remind herself that sometimes in stories, as in life, both can be bittersweet. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Ed Stivender and Michelle Carlo on the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can connect with the podcast on Facebook or Instagram at Story Story Podcast or me at Rachel Ann Harding. The beautiful brains behind the fairy tale sponsor was me feeling quite sleepy. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was a story seed from Laura Packer. You can find her lovely story and writing prompts by looking her up on social media. You can see the fairy tale sponsor ads on the Story Story Podcast Instagram and Facebook page. And while you're there, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you'll hear them here soon. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts to support the show. You'll hear more stories next week. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.